Having written a book that was based in Irish nationalism of a century ago, of course I was tempted to speak to you in the hysterical pitch of men who willed themselves to launch a doomed rebellion against the most powerful empire in the world, knowing that they would be shot in the end. Uh, Among the tastiest selections of that kind of nationalist writing was Patrick Pierce, who said, bloodshed is a cleansing and sanctifying thing, and the nation that regards it as the final horror has lost its manhood. There are many things more horrible than bloodshed, and slavery is one of them. Or there was Owen McNeil, the sober historian and political realist, who was so moved by a hunger striker that he's, he gave expression to this Irish willingness to defy and suffer nobly for it, this faith that this kind of suffering would break the will of their English uh, oppressors. He said, in prison we are their jailers, on trial their judges, persecuted their punishers, dead their conquerors. Such a speech, thankfully, is for far more perilous times than these. Uh, Ultimately, my book was about the search for home, the necessity of a home, and it pointed to my conviction that the present task and the task going forward for conservatism is a defense of home, a place of consolation, a sanctified somewhere that connects us to the dead, the unborn, and our neighbors through love, memory, and sacrifice. And I don't mean home as an abstraction either. Uh, If I wanted to pick uh, some of the literature from these Irish nationalist martyrs, there's Eamon Kant's letter to his fiancée in which he spends several paragraphs talking longingly of the day that they will go on their house hunt, promising that that's when the real fun begins. Uh, I know what he was talking about because a few years ago I bought uh, a house with my wife for our three children. We moved out of a small two-bedroom apartment. And this single-family home in Westchester County had a little mystery at the heart of it. There were two fireplaces. There was the one original to the house, uh, built in the Great Depression, and it was this fine marble-carved fireplace with beautiful uh, fruit carved in. Even the texture of the fruit can be felt with your fingers when your eyes are closed. And then in the Reagan go-go 80s, there was apparently an expansion of the house, and there's another fireplace, handsome, neat, and level. It was something that another immigrant doubtlessly put together, but it's just nail gun together, a few pieces of wood molding, probably from something like the Home Depot or the equivalent thereof. And this presented a strange mystery, of course. Uh, Both the makers were probably poor immigrants, but the one in the Great Depression was beautiful. The one in the go-go 80s was kind of humble. If uh, Eamon Kant were starting his house hunt today, he would find this headline in the Irish Times last week about how hopeless the the task has become. In a nation of 5.1 million people, there are now just 716 homes to rent in the entirety of Ireland. That is the acuteness of the housing crisis there. It is 
mimicked in the housing crisis in the UK uh, an insane set of problems that led the normally free market and budget conscious Michael Gove to denounce home builders as a cartel holding the nation hostage and to demand more social housing. In the US, Freddie Mac estimates that the nation here is short 3.8 million housing units and prices are going up across the country now, not just in San Francisco and New York, but even markets like New Orleans and Las Vegas have gone from having a positive housing stock to a negative one. Uh, As Oren Cass has shown in his Cost of Thriving Index, the uh, share of an American family budget going to a home continues to increase decade after decade since the 1980s. Uh, in the UK, the age of a typical first home buyer has risen from, th- to th- uh, from 29 to 34. In the, US, in, the, uh, in the US, the age is 33. It was 29 just two decades ago. The median age of a home buyer in the US is now 47. It was 31 in 1981. Uh, and please forgive me if I blend the terminology between towns or uh, housing councils and things like that going forward. This is a problem that affects almost every modern country right now. Uh, all three countries you can point to the same things, a financial crisis and housing bust that led to a chronic labor shortage in housing construction ever since. Others point to nimbyism and the self-interest of existing homeowners is blamed on the drag uh, on construction. The ratchet upward in price for first homes is really the product of a broken housing market that is over-dependent on large volume builders. These developers end up driving up the price of land and squeezing the building costs, a recipe for expensive but shoddy homes. In reality, these firms are more like land speculation companies, not builders of homes. And the results are eye-watering. Between 1995 and 2018, the value of land across England rose no less than 550%, more than 10 times the rate of general economy-wide inflation. In California, the story is similar. And these developers make their money, uh, their windfall profits, with an uncoordinated conspiracy with existing homeowners to keep up the price of land, not investing in attractive and durable homes. But this is only a partial explanation for the housing crisis. And this housing crisis is especially acute for conservatives, and it's going to be uh, a task that falls to us to deal with in the coming decades, because the housing crisis presents to us also a crisis of family formation. And a crisis for family formation means a surge in the number of people who feel closed out of the American dream, alienated from their country, robbed of their political birthright and their inheritance. And so I can only briefly sketch out an outline of the problem and what answers might look like in the time remaining. For our our libertarian friends, see the problem very clearly, land value speculation. Uh, Their preferred uh, solutions are preaching against nimbyism or to preach the gospel of economist Henry George and the idea of imposing a land value tax. The ideas are almost sound, make more land available for building and raise the price for holding land that would be better upzoned, whether from an empty lot or a single family home. But smashing nimbyism alone leaves you only with the option of living in Houston. No thank you. 
Georgism, as practiced in Southeast Asia, does nothing more than encourage the market to build us the pods and send us drones to deliver us the bugs to eat in them. And yet, those futures are better still than what some neoliberal futurists offer us. So used to conceiving of capital goods and human beings as the same fungible things, they propose to treat human beings like goods. Newark, New Jersey is expanding its shipping container housing for the poor as I speak. And that's better than the real fantasy of being treated like capital itself, where you and your family will be relieved of corporeal existence and uploaded as pure consciousness to live your life in your own Bitcoin wallet. As conservatives, we need to recognize that nimbyism is often a healthy instinct, a shrewd perception that change may be for the worst. That affordable housing built in an inhuman way will degrade not just property values, but degrade the people living inside those buildings. The benefit is short-lived. There is the answer, of course, offered by Roger Scruton, which we all wish to be true. Build beautifully. If proposals for development could be human-scaled in traditional and vernacular styles, they could win the approval of existing residents. Well, when we look at the most desirable residential neighborhoods in these countries, we find that they tend to be the work of single aristocrats or their families. Ball's Bridge in Dublin was developed by the Earl of Pembroke, Notting Hill in London by the Ladbroke family, uh, Chelsea in New York by Clement Clark Moore. These men were in some ways induced by the economic and legal environments of their cities to develop their lands, but they did so with an eye toward immortality, toward non-commercial values like the glory of their family name, and in many cases they've achieved it, as we're still talking about them. It turns out that Sir Roger was half right, or maybe half right. What we see is that uh, traditional architects like Sebastian Treese and other practitioners of neo-traditional or New Berlin style have examples of their proposals of traditional residential construction, even high-density construction, winning over local councils and citizens who had rejected other, uh, dozens of other projects and star architect proposals. And this is in Germany's, some of Germany's most pleasant and richest 19th century cities. But Treese noted that one necessary obstacle was money, more money dedicated to the architecture of the buildings themselves, not just spent on the value of overinflated land. So beauty, though a powerful ally, cannot triumph alone. Uh, planned communities along the lines that Sir Roger and the newly king, uh, crowned King, uh, king Charles III have also stalled for lack of public consent. Uh, this is in part due to the fact that communities, in a sense, bear all the costs and get none of the profits uh, from new development. That can be uh, alleviated, and the libertarian insight on land value is appropriate here. So some level of zoning and planning reform paired with land value capture would allow states or planning boards to capture some of the fat of the land, the increase of land values over time to be reinvested in communities uh, to make them not only more beautiful, to help fund the construction of beautiful buildings, uh, but also to provide public services. Um, but creating uh, the network of institutions that would guard this will be difficult work 
we see that uh, right now the uh, entrenched power of the current players is bringing about a bland international style that would have us all living in residential developments that are basically indistinguishable from a Panera bread. Uh, so this will take um, our, a kind of Herculean effort of institution building and education. We can equip our people with strong arguments because on almost every level, traditional vernacular architectural styles beat modernist alternatives and we beat them on their own grounds, including on embedded carbon measures as well, because these buildings tend to stand for more than a century, sometimes more than two or three, rather than being demolished and replaced every 30 years. Uh, but getting to that point of building beautiful homes for our children again requires solving the mystery of my two fireplaces. Why was one, when times were bad, so beautiful, and another, when times were good, so pedestrian? Is because of a persistent and paltry uh, productivity gains in the construction sector. And this is where I think Peter Thiel is really uh, onto something. Uh, the two immigrants that built these fireplaces were, were equally poor uh, by the standards of their time. But anyone who could achieve the level of skill and craftsmanship of the first fireplace builder would be going into a field where that would be deployed toward more productive uh, enterprises. We need a technological revolution in building materials, in science, in, uh, in machinery, even in 3D printing to put beautiful right-sized moldings, medallions, and other fixtures that make buildings into real homes. Architecture ultimately is a political and spiritual discipline. That is to say, it is the highest form of culture war, and we are currently losing it. Even if we have lost the aristocratic titles of the Earl of Pembroke, we can still organize to build for the future, for the glory of our cities, for the uh, beauty of our neighborhoods, and thereby we will rightly win over the devotion and loyalty of our posterity to this great tradition we have handed on to them. Uh, returning to my dead martyr, Patrick Pierce, he said, "O oh, wise men, riddle me this. What if the dream come true? What if millions unborn shall dwell in the house that I shaped in my heart, the noble house of my thought? Men, I tell you, there is no way out of this just for our children, no way that does not also secure the, the children of our entire nation. Our failure in this means our children will be damned to disinheritance and alienation to smaller families or none at all. It damns them to a bug's life or to be uploaded to the hive mind. It enslaves them to commute to Dublin across the Shannon River or drives them to burn in hell or in Houston. Ladies and gentlemen, the future of conservatism is what we build.